Cool. Well, welcome to the beginning of our Artisan Soul series. Um, this is a series for me that has changed my life, without a doubt. Um, this series for me, it means a lot. It's, it's based off of uh, a, an author who's been a mentor and pastor of mine for a long time. So it, the book is Artisan Soul. And the man who wrote the book, his name is Erwin McManus. And so I, was, I, was, I had the privilege of being part of a church called Mosaic in Los Angeles. Erwin is the pastor and founder of Mosaic in LA. And the thing, about, uh, the thing about Erwin is he's one of the most amazing, inspiring communicators I've ever met in my life. He inspired this community here in Lincoln. Uh, you wouldn't be sitting in this room right now if it wasn't for Erwin. Um, with that said, is anyone, by a show of noise, Brian talked about book clubs, has anyone signed up for a book club yet? Show of noise, woo woo, few of you. Uh, there's lots of room. And here's the thing, right? Um, with book clubs, if there's something in you, it's easy to come on a Sunday. It's easy to sit in a seat and just observe. Um, the next step is to be involved in community, is to get connected to people around you and have conversations. And for those of you in the room, maybe you're a skeptic. Maybe it's easy just to hold this at arm's length. Just know that we are a community that is okay with questions. We are a community that is okay with doubts. We are a community that is okay if you don't believe the things that we believe. But in the reality is that there's a lot of things going on in our mind that, uh, that we just need to be in community and talk to people about. And that is going to be an amazing opportunity for you to get connected to people here at Mosaic. So sign up for a book club. Uh, we have them all around the city just about every single night of the week. Um, so there should be someone at the connections table to talk you through that. But the artisan soul... The artisan soul is for those who have come to realize that their life is a work of art. That God is the master artist, and he has created us to create. See, the thing about humans is we have this ability, we have this imagination where we can imagine a future that doesn't exist yet, and we can actually create it. And that God is the source of all beauty, all wonder, and all artistry. Let's pray together before we get started. God, we thank you that we made it here through the marathon. We thank you that we're sitting in this room. And the paradox is that you are present, yet we can't see you. You're present, and we feel glimpses of you. So God, I pray here in this moment you open our hearts, you open our minds, you open up our ears. And God, we pray that you speak deeply into our souls today. Breathe deeply into us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Life can be pretty mundane sometimes, right? Let's be honest. Life could be kind of sucky sometimes, can't it? So when the declaration is made that you are a work of art. Those who have been through the ringer of life, pfft, yeah, right, work of art, good one. And we switch off. You know, social media, it's designed to help us, make us feel like life, the lives we're living are fun. We're just trying to convince ourselves, my life is fun, because we see everyone else having fun, right? And they're posting, trying to convince themselves, my life is fun, my life is fun. And so we're posting these things, talking about how fun our life is. Have you ever been in an environment 
where you've just been looking for an opportunity to take a picture so you can post on social media and show everyone how much fun you're having? Am I the only one? Uh, I just did this, right? So my wife and I, we decided it was a good idea to drive to California and back in one week, right? With a two-year-old. So we spent 50 hours in a car with a two-year-old. We decided this would be a good idea. Um, it was an amazing trip for us. We, uh, my, our son Manny, he's adopted. We got to hang out with his birth mom. We got to hang out with his half-sister and his grandparents. And it was, it was an amazing week for us. It was worth the trip. And on the way home, I said, Nicole, we got to go to this place called Horseshoe Bend in Arizona. Has anyone been to Horseshoe Bend in Arizona? A couple people. Man, you guys are missing out. So you got to Google it. You got to go there. Horseshoe Bend in Arizona. It'll change your life. So what I decided to do, what we decided to do is I was like, Nicole, we got to go there. So we're on the way there. And all of a sudden I was looking at the clock and I forgot about the time change, that it was an hour later because they're on mountain time and not Pacific time. And I was like, oh no, the sun's going to set. We're going to miss it. And so we're hustling, trying to get there. Every time we stopped, it's like, quick stop, quick stop. We got to go, we got to go. And this is with a two-year-old. He's just like stuck in his car seat watching movies, just like, let me out. Um, And I'm watching the sun go down, literally in my rearview mirror. And I'm like, come on, come on, just stay up. Come on, come on. And the sun's going down, going down. And then we pull into the parking lot. We made it. But then what I didn't realize was it was was like a half-mile hike to the lookout point. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, you got to be kidding me. So I take Manny and I'm carrying this like 40 pound little boy power walking up this hill because I can't miss the moment. Like I got to get the picture. I've been driving for eight hours. Okay. I got to get this picture. I got to show everyone how much fun this trip was. I got to convince myself that it was worth it. And we got there and I'm holding Manny and we're standing on the edge of the cliff and Nicole captures this beautiful moment just as the sun breaks the horizon. And if we're friends on social media, you probably saw it. If you didn't, I'm going to make you awesomely jealous right now. I have it it for you guys. Boom. Look at that. It's weird seeing like a life-size image of yourself. That's like perfect. But, (laughs) But how beautiful is that? But the reality is that life is a lot more like the 50-hour car ride with the two-year-old and a lot less like the 50 minutes that we spent at Horseshoe Bend. Life just it tends to be a lot like the drive. It tends to be a lot like the moments that we forget. It tends to be mundane at times. And so when we step into this reality that we are a work of art, there's a tension there. Because is life really a work of art? I follow this comedian, and he has this joke. He says, he says, I believe that everyone should take a picture of their significant other when they're in the middle of a fight, right? Good luck with that. But everyone should take a picture of their significant other in the middle of a fight because if you break up with that person, what ends up happening when you break up with someone? You look through all of the amazing experiences you had together, and then deep down inside, you're like, why did we break up? Like, we sh- I should get back together with this person. I should get back together. And then you pull out the picture, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's the psycho I broke up with. <laughs> right? Life, it, it has this weird tendency. You know, I've been dreaming about going to this place called Horseshoe Bend for a year, and we get there, and after 30 minutes, I'm like, I got the picture. Let's get out of here. 
you know, let's keep going, keep trucking. Our favorite song, after we listen to it 20, 30 times, becomes mundane again. Uh, the supermodel Kate Moss said, show me the most beautiful woman in the world, and I'll show you a man who is sick of sleeping with her. There's something about life that for some reason, it so easily falls into the mundane. But what God is trying to do is he's trying to pull us into something beautiful. And you sit here now, and maybe in this moment you're like, you don't know what I've been through. The things that have been done to me, I can't even say out loud. How is that a work of art? But what we don't realize is that God does his best work in the nothingness. God does his best work when we feel like a black hole inside. God does his best work in the mundane. God does his best work in the emptiness. Because God created everything out of nothing. And so if you're here today and you're like, my life, it's not a work of art. I'm here today to convince you it is. I'm here today to convince you that God wants to transform your life into something beautiful. And so if, you, if you're up for journeying with me, I want you guys to open up the scriptures to Genesis chapter 1. Are you guys with me? Genesis chapter 1. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures, just pull out your phone, download the Bible app, and you'll be good. So, here we go. Genesis chapter 1. If you don't know where Genesis is, there's a little index at the front of your Bible, hopefully. All right, Genesis chapter 1. The first words in our scriptures. It says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those four words haunted me my whole life. They still haunt me today. Because they make no sense. But they make perfect sense. I can remember growing up and I would lay in bed at night and my mom would be praying with me. And I would ask her these questions. I would say, Mom, like, who created God? And she'd say, I don't understand the question. Like, God is the creator of everything. And I would say, but that doesn't make sense. Because who, when did God start? When was the beginning? When was there nothing and when was there God? And she says, no, God has always been. And that concept in my brain just never made sense. And even to this day, it doesn't make sense. I can remember being a small child and I can remember taking a sheet of paper and ripping it in half. And then I would take the half sheet and I'd rip that in half. And then I would take that half sheet and rip it in half until I had a small piece of paper that my fingers couldn't rip in half anymore. But I knew that piece of paper could be ripped in half again. And I knew that that could be ripped in half again. And then that could be ripped in half again. And then that. I couldn't wrap my mind around where did the paper start? I saw where the piece of paper ended but where did that piece of paper, where's, where's its beginning? And it's this dilemma that we find in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, because there's this tension, there's nothing, and God is just there. And I think a big part of it for me as I've been exploring this, I'm a huge geek. Any geeks in the room? Any nerds? Uh, a few of us. So uh, I, have a, I, I have a math degree. I have a bachelor's in math. Big nerd. Uh, I love it. I'll embrace it. So my thing is, like, I, I really get geeked out of science and physics, things like that. What I've, what I've come to realize very recently is that we humans, we experience time in a very linear fashion. Like, time is always going forward for us. 
60 seconds to every minute, right? 60 minutes to every hour. Time is precise. It's exact. It's always happening at the exact same beat, isn't it? Or is it? Einstein, in his theory of relativity, uh, he has this thing called time dilation. And what that is, is that the faster an object moves, the slower time goes for that object. Are you kidding me? Like, that's crazy. How is that even possible? And so he tested this theory. What he did is he put, synced up two watches, put one on a plane and kept one on the ground, flew the plane around the world, and then the watch on the airplane was tick, ticked slower than the watch on the ground. And this happens all the time. When they send space shuttles into space, the clocks on the space shuttle are different from clocks on the ground because they move slower. Anyone use GPS ever? GPS? A few of us? So GPS, GPS satellites, they run slow, they run faster than clocks here on Earth. So there's this tension. The universe does not see time linear. Black holes, they bend light and they bend time. Like that is insane. That's absolutely insane. There's this theoretical physicist, Brian Greene. I think I lost all the artists in the room. They're like, theoretical physics? Are you kidding me? We're going there now? Theoretical physicist Brian Greene, he has this uh, theory called string theory. Has anyone heard the word string theory before? So string theory, it's basically what the smallest particle in the universe is. We don't know what it is, so he's taking a guess. String theory, that there are these little tiny vibrating strings that everything is made of. Even the emptiness and the blackness and the darkness of space is made out of these small strings. And mathematically, the only way that his formula works, get this, the only way his formula works for this theory is if there's 11 dimensions in the universe. And we exist in three. This is a theoretical physicist who is top of his field, who's doing TED Talks on this stuff. This is not a science fiction writer. This is the universe that we find ourselves in. This is the universe that God created. And so often we find God in the mystery we find God in the questions deep down in our soul that we cannot get out of our minds. We cannot get out of our brains. So if you're here today and you have lots and lots of questions, you are in a great place. You're in a great starting place with us. In the beginning, God. Now, the uh, Hebrew writers, what they would have, the name that they used in Hebrew for the name of God, in the beginning God, is the word, the name Elohim. Can everyone say Elohim? Elohim. Elohim. So the word Elohim, what it means is it means God, our creator, and judge. God, the creator and judge of the universe. As we read on in the scriptures, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was nothing, and then there was something. Maybe today here you feel like nothing. God does his best work with nothing. He creates everything out of nothing. Elohim creates everything out of nothing. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And man, 
as I read those words this week, I couldn't help but thinking, and I feel like that way sometimes. Can anyone relate? Formless, empty, darkness. I'll never forget the worst day of my life. The worst day of my life. Three years ago, I'm sitting in a doctor's office, and he gives me a death sentence. He says, you have a 0% chance of creating life with your wife. 0%. How do I take that? How do I experience that as a man, that that's something that I cannot provide for my family? And I couldn't help but thinking over and over in my head, what is God judging me for? Like, where did I screw up in my life? Where did I mess up that God is punishing me for this? Can anyone relate to that at all? And my, my ideas and my philosophy was so ingrained in this. And what even screwed me up even more was at that time I watched this movie, and this movie messed me up. And it was a Christian movie, labeled a Christian movie. I don't know how Christian it actually was or how accurate it actually was. But anyways, this movie, it's about this guy, right? He's a football coach. His football team is losing. His marriage is on the rocks, and his wife can't get pregnant. I can relate to a couple of those things. And in the movie, he has this transcendent experience with Jesus, and God heals everything, right? Everything comes together in the end. His football team starts winning, his marriage gets put back together, and guess what happens? His wife gets pregnant. Boom! God's the genie who makes everything happen. And so this began to form in me. And so I began to search my mind and search my brain, like, what have I done to hurt God? What have I done to make him so mad? What have I done to make him judge me so much that he's punishing me for this? And I began to search just the darkness of my soul. And I began to like go through the Rolodex of everything wrong that I, had been, that, that I did because I wanted to be healed. Everything that I could think of, I confessed to Nicole, like, I wronged you here, I wronged you here, just so that I could experience the healing that this man in the movie experienced. And I remember after two weeks, I did all these things, I did these things, and I'm like, okay, God, I did these things, now it's time to heal me. You know, I've been to so many church services where they said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, God can do a miracle, God can heal you. And so I felt like I had faith at least the size of a tiny little mustard seed, and God could heal me. And so I went in faith to the doctor's office again. And I said, Nicole, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back better this time. It's going to come back better. And I'm sitting there, and the doctor comes in, and he says, you have a 0% chance to create life with your wife. And I felt like this pane of glass that had just shattered all over the ground. You know, I believe that we have this incorrect, unhealthy view of God that when we look at God as judge, when we label God as judge only, what ends up happening is we create this false idea. For far too long, the scriptures have been used to justify evil in the world. The scriptures have been used to justify slavery. The scriptures have been used to justify sexism. Scriptures have been used to justify war. I mean, now we know that war should not be done in the name of God. Slavery is a huge atrocity in the world. And women should lead in a high capacity in the church. We here at Mosaic, our best leaders here, some of our best leaders are are women, are female. If you've been a part of our Mosaic at the Bay team at all, you look around the room and you realize 
Some of the best leaders in the room are women. They're awesome. They're divine image bearers just as much as a man is. And so for far too long, we've seen the scriptures as this manuscript for, for, for conformity, for this manuscript that you need to fall in line, that God is judge. God is a policeman. He's just waiting for you to mess up so that he can mess up your life. So what you, what you need to do is you need to fall in line. You need to conform. You need to punch your time card and not say anything bad about the boss, and then you get to heaven. See, what we've forgotten is we've forgotten that Elohim He's a creator, Elohim. He's an artist. What we've forgotten is that everything in our life, our pain, our regrets, those things that have happened to us, heck, our successes, our talents, all those things is just a palette that God uses to paint the canvas of our soul. And if God breathe life into us at the beginning of time, he has every intention to do it again. So let's jump ahead a little bit to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. That God would place something in us, something divine inside of us, that we would be his image bearers. And if we jump to chapter 2, verse 7, this is kind of recalling the creation of man. It says, The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathe into his nostrils the breath of life. And then the man became a living person. The Lord God. So what's interesting is, so in the English, we use the word Lord. Right? And if this story is written by Moses, as people suspect, something amazing happened in Moses' life. Something profound, this profound transcending experience that he has with God, where God reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush. And God says, I need you to go. I need you to set the captives free. I need you to set your people free from Egypt who are enslaved. And so Moses says, okay, like, but I need to know who you are. What is your name? What is your name? Tell me your name. And so God says, he says, I hey ye, I share, I hey ye, which is I am that I am. I am who I am. And so, in the Hebrew, they would say Yahweh or Yahweh. Yahweh or Yahweh. And what's significant about this name, what's significant about this moment is that Moses, he doesn't use the word Elohim in chapter 2. He uses the word Yahweh. And so we look at this word, at this person, I am, 
who I am. I am that I am. God is. God always was. God always will be. And this word, Yahweh, it became so sacred in ancient Hebrew culture that they wouldn't even utter this name. They wouldn't even speak the name. And so when we look at this word and we kind of break it down, it's letters, yod, hey, va, hey. Yod, hey, va, hey. What some ancient rabbis say is that this is the sound of human breath. That it's unutterable because it's the sound we make when we breathe. Say it with me. Yod, hey, va, hey. Yod, hey, va, hey. It's the sound of breath. And in this moment, right, this moment where God, in chapter 2, he breathes life into every human being. He breathes life into us. What Moses decides to do is he says, I'm going to use the unutterable name of God. The name of God that is the sound of breath. That in that moment, God breathed his name into our lungs. That God breathed his name into our lungs so that every time we take a breath, we're speaking the name of God. So every time we take a breath, we're reminded that we are divine image bearers. That every time we take a breath, we're reminded that God, the creator of the universe, the master artist, has formed us into a work of art. So in this moment, in the quiet, in the sound of breath, God is here. That with every breath, we speak the name of God. There's a story, this man in the scriptures, his name is Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he uh, wanted to hear from God. And so he said, God, I want to hear from you. And God says, go to the potter's house. Go to the artist's house. So Jeremiah goes, and what he sees is he sees the potter at the wheel forming a pot. But the pot became disfigured, became marred, the scriptures say. So the potter mashed the clay up and started again. Man, maybe you feel like that today. You feel so imperfect. You feel off balance. You feel out of whack. You feel like nothing. You feel like mud. You feel like clay. You feel like dirt. Today, God wants to breathe new life into you. Today is the day that God wants to get his hands all over you and make you into something new. And I believe that the most creative act that God ever did was to put on flesh and become one of us. That God didn't leave us. He didn't just leave himself as Elohim, as creator, as judge. He didn't just leave himself as Yahweh to give us a soul, to breathe life into our lungs. He said, you know what? I'm going to become one of them. I'm going to become human. I'm going to live my life as Jesus. And so we're in this moment, and we're at this starting place where I don't feel like my life is a work of art, but you're telling me that my life should be a work of art. And then we look at the life of Jesus, and we see he was broken. 
that the potter decides to become the clay. And in this moment, we have a choice that we can make. We can decide in this moment to say, I want to embrace a life that says, my life can become a work of art. Or we can make a choice to say, I'm good. And so what I want us to do is I want us to do something together. Because I believe that things should be done in community and not in isolation. As I want us to whisper a name. And if you're here, and if you're with me, and if God is present now in this moment in your life, and God is doing something deep down in your soul, in your mind, in your heart, I believe the response should always be some sort of action. So what I want us to do together, if you're with me, to declare, my li- I want my life to be a work of art. I want to be clay in the potter's hands. I want to live like Jesus lived. I want us to whisper together the name of Jesus. I want us to declare today, Jesus is the source of all life. Jesus is the source of all hope. You know, many times, even our name here at Mosaic, we feel broken, we feel fragmented. But when we come together, and when God's light shines through us, we become a beautiful mosaic. So maybe today is the day that you say Jesus' name for the first time. Maybe today is the day that you say Jesus' name for the 10,000th time. I want us together, on the count of three, to whisper the name of Jesus. And it's okay if you're not ready to whisper his name yet. But together, we will do this. You ready? No, I guess not. Okay, don't worry about it. All right. On the count of three. If I'm the only one whispering, I don't mind. One, two, three. Jesus. And I want you guys to close your eyes. And we're here. We're in this moment. You can feel the chair beneath you. You can feel your hands. You exist. You have air in your lungs. You have life. God is at the cusp of doing something amazing inside your soul that feels empty. And so, what I want us to do in this moment is not on the count of three, but to make a choice on our own to whisper the name of Jesus again. If you want Jesus to transform your life to a work of art, if you want to align yourself with God, if you want to experience that breath of life again here and now deep down in your soul, Just on your own, when you're ready, whisper the name of Jesus out loud. Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, we are God's handiwork. That that word handiwork in the Greek is translated, the, the original Greek says poemas. It's where we get our English word poems from. Mosaic, you are God's poems. You are poetry. You're full of conflict. You're full of despair. But you're also full of beauty, life, and hope. That God can align himself with your life if you choose to whisper his name and change the course of your life forever. Whether you did that for the first time today or the hundredth time today. So what I want us to do as we walk out of this room is I want you guys to do two things. One, as divine image bearers, the breath of God, his name in your lungs and on your lips, I want you to breathe life into someone else. 
So right here and now, someone's name is going to pop in your head. Someone's name is going to pop in your mind. What I want you to do is I want you to text that person. Even if you do it right now, I don't care. Whip out your phone. Even if you've got to go outside and make a phone call, just do it. Take out your phone. Breathe life into someone. Tell them what you see in them. Tell them the divine potential that they have inside of them. When I was driving here today, uh, I saw all these people standing on the side of the road with signs that are like, you can do it. You can finish the marathon. You can do it. You can do it. Man, life sometimes it feels like a marathon. And what we need in our life is we need people that can speak life into our souls. So I want you guys to do that. That's your one action. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to do something that breathes life into your soul. For some of you, maybe that's painting. For some of you, maybe that's poetry. For others, maybe it's teaching a child to read. Maybe it's feeding someone who doesn't have food. Maybe it's having a conversation with someone who hasn't had a good conversation in a long time. Whatever it is that gives you life, maybe it's going on a hike, maybe it's driving 14 hours to Horseshoe Bend to stand on the edge of the cliff. Whatever that is, make a choice this week to do something to breathe life into your soul. Because our starting place is realizing your life is a work of art. That God, the creator of the universe, cares enough about you to say, you are a masterpiece. So Mosaic, know that you are a work of art. And the greatest work of art you will ever create is the life that you live. Let's pray together. God, I thank you out of the nothingness you created everything. And God, so many times in my life I feel like nothing. And in those moments, God, you breathe life into my soul again. You bring purpose back into my life that everything that has happened to me They're just colors of your palette to paint my soul. And so God, my prayer today is that we come to the realization that you are the master artist and you have crafted us into works of art. God, here now today, I pray that each person in this room makes a choice to whisper your name. To be in this place that says, you know what? Things aren't going that way and I need a new, I need new breath in my lungs. That God, the creator of the universe, cares enough to be here in this moment. That God, the creator of the universe, cares enough to put on flesh and become one of us. That God, the creator of the universe, cared enough to die on a cross. And so, with my lips, I want to declare, Jesus, you are Lord. Thank you, God for this life that we get to live. Thank you for the breath in our lungs. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.